On today's show, Houston Rockets bench depth concerns. Should the Houston Rockets make an emergency trade to help plug up some of the holes on the bench unit with the injury to Amin Thompson? Still no Tari Eason, plus just the lack of firepower in general, or should they stay the course? If they make an emergency trade, who are some of the possible trade targets out there? We're going to tackle all that and more on today's Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, Mike, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, a credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everydayer. Thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's a free hundred bucks. Go take advantage of the offer. A lot to get to on today's episode because this Houston Rockets team, despite getting their first win against the Charlotte Hornets, first off, they've got just an absolutely brutal stretch of schedule coming up here. And I, being the genius that I am, made the prediction that I thought they were going to go 3-0 and over these next three games. So far, let state leg one of that prediction is good. They beat the Hornets. It wasn't quite a blowout, but they were up by 18 and 15, respectively, in each half. It was kind of a blowout. They, they controlled that game. I'll take it. I also said they beat the Kings in both of these games. And... I was feeling pretty good, and I still am feeling kind of good about that prediction, but we'll see how these next couple games goes for this Houston Rockets team because right now they have so little bench depth. It is wildly alarming, and I'm very curious to see right how how much pain tolerance this Rockets front office has, how much pain tolerance Rafael Stone has before pulling the trigger on a deal to improve this team because – Without Tari Eason in the bench unit, you know, their two main key bench contributors were Jay Sean Tate and Amin Thompson with, you know, minor contributions here from Jeff Green. Jock Landale was missing time due to the concussion. Like, they just, they don't have enough firepower off of the bench. And now you lose Amin Thompson. So, what does this team do? Where do they go from here now that you're down two Key bench contributors. Technically, when you think about it, they're down three because they expected to have Kevin Porter Jr. here this season. Where does this team go? What kind of move should they make in the interim to try and help boost that bench unit? Because regardless of the injuries, the bench unit is desperately missing a scoring punch. Even if everybody was 100% healthy on this roster, the Rockets bench has a distinct lack of scoring. And that's why we're seeing some of the staggered lineups that we're seeing. And that's why Ime Odoka is having to get really creative with how he, 
you know, staggers the minutes between Fred and Jalen and Al P and trying to figure out which lineups do and don't work. Even though we know that the starting lineup has been phenomenal when they play together, they're a top 10 starting lineup as far as net rating goes in the NBA. That's incredibly impressive. So what does this Houston Rockets team ultimately do? Should they pull the lever on an emergency trade to help get a player or two possibly to plug up some of the holes in the bench unit? Or do they stay calm and just stay the course and wait for Tari Eason to come back, wait for Amin Thompson to come back, and see how the bench unit does once they are fully healthy. It's kind of a tough call to make. Now, I will say very quickly on the Tari Eason front, uh, Tari Eason is doing, uh, is having, I guess, a media availability thing Friday afternoon for the Houston Rockets, and it's very unlikely that the Rockets would have a player do a media availability uh, if they weren't very close to returning to action. And we are kind of right around the two to three week window where we were supposed to get a reevaluation on Tari Eason. I would fully expect that he'd be back in the lineup sooner rather than later, potentially within the next game or two. Uh, maybe not for Saturday's game against the Kings, but maybe the second game against the Kings, quite possibly. And getting him back will be a huge boost to that bench unit, but it still doesn't address the issue of the lack of firepower, the lack of scoring, all of kind of all of the above issues, right, that we've seen out of the Rockets bench thus far. Which brings me to another point that we kind of addressed in our last episode, but I figured we'd explore it a little bit further. And I want your thoughts on this. So in the YouTube comments, not only do I want to know, you know, should the Rockets make an emergency trade or should they stay calm, stay the course, and just injuries are part of the game, just deal with it, right? Let me know what you'd like them to do in the comments. Stay calm or make a trade. If you want them to make a trade, drop some of your trade targets in in the in the comments because I, I was kind of scouring the NBA landscape trying to see which names made a lot of sense, some names that they could potentially pursue to help out with that lack of bench that lack of bench scoring uh and so we're going to revisit we're going to take a look at some of those names in today's episode but i want your thoughts as well and then here's the next one is is aaron holiday just is aaron holiday enough aaron holiday is a vet he's very capable he can run the offense in a pinch um he's basically an undersized two guard though because he's not you know he's not a guy you want running the offense he can run the show situationally I think he's more he's better served as like a secondary playmaker when on the floor but he's a guy that you can play alongside Jalen you can play him alongside Fred when we talked about the dynamic between he and Fred uh, at Rockets practice Ime highlighted the fact that he's not afraid to play those two guys together because despite them both being six feet tall they play bigger than they actually are especially defensively they're big they're strong he likened uh, Aaron Holiday to his brother Drew Holiday, actually, in the way that they're both a bit under, you know, smaller, but can guard bigger, right? They play bigger than they actually are on the court. We saw that uh, in that one preseason game by Aaron Holiday where he had, what, like a team high nine rebounds because he just, you know, was boxing out and soaring for boards, you know, really fighting on the glass better better than anybody else on the floor, actually. So is Aaron, is Aaron Holiday enough of a stopgap for the Houston Rockets? He provides shooting. He provides uh, another veteran piece, ball handling, all of that. Is he enough of a stopgap for this Houston Rockets team to not have to go out there and make a trade to help buoy the second unit? 
Uh, let me know in the comments because I, I'm kind of torn at this point. I, I'm tempted to, uh, not tempted. We're going to see it regardless whether you want to or not. You're going to see a lot of Aaron Holiday minutes. Uh, he'll probably get the bulk of the minutes that Amin Thompson would have gotten in the lineup. And it'll be really interesting to see if teams take a lot of advantage of the minutes where he and Fred are out there on the court together, two six foot tall guards, or if it doesn't matter at all, we saw Aaron holiday and Fred Van Vliet share minutes that kind of all veteran lineup them along with Jay Sean Tate, Jeff green and Jock Landale uh, for a significant stretch in that fourth quarter against the Charlotte Hornets. And it looked just fine. So maybe Aaron holiday is enough, but we're going to explore some trades that the Houston Rockets could potentially make going from most likely and easiest attainable target to least likely and hardest to attain target uh, going in that order along the route of the episode. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. You want to know why? Because it's just you versus the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, all you do is pick more than or less than on two to six players and their stat projections, and then you just watch the winnings roll and prize picks is so easy to play. You can make your picks in less than 60 seconds. It's so simple. They've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types, which is what makes prize picks the number one DFS app in North America. And with basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you could do LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. So if you've been thinking about checking out daily fantasy sports, getting into it, you've got to try Prize Picks. Sign up, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, let's go ahead and dive into, so assuming, you know, if the Rockets are in a position where the front office, coaching staff, all of the above, the powers that be, decide that they need to make a trade to balance out this roster to plug a hole on this team, which clearly the the lack of a scoring creator on the bench is, is kind of the most glaring issue with this team as it presently stands. There's just too many guys who are kind of pass-first oriented or more like 3 and D oriented in that second unit to where we're having to see Ime Odoka stagger Jalen, Fred, Al P. Fred is most successful, though, when he has Al P on the floor. He looks like he kind of struggles a little bit without Al P out there. So really, it's up to Jalen to be the, the scoring punch for that second unit. And we know that Jalen's just not that consistent force yet offensively. He has moments where he can be, you know, he can erupt for 10 plus in a given quarter, but then he has moments where he disappears for a couple quarters at a time and doesn't show up. And you can't really rely on that scoring punch just yet to help stabilize that second unit. I don't think Jalen's just not a stabilizing force quite just yet in his NBA career. So who are some of the targets that the Rockets could potentially look at, go after uh, here to help out with the bench unit? I think the first one here makes actually a ton of sense. 
And I've, I've seen some pushback from this guy's name, but I, I really do think he's a kind of a buy low and could very easily help fill this gap for the Rockets, who are a team that are in some desperate need of shooting and a little bit of extra bench scoring. Uh, Alperin Shingun's Turkish national teammate, Furkan Korkmaz from the Philadelphia 76ers. That's name number one on this list. He's got, he's on a one-year deal, only $5.3 million, super cheap, super team-friendly, and frankly, he could probably be had for like maybe even just a second rounder, maybe a couple seconds tops. I think he's probably the cheapest guy on this list as far as names that you could consider trading for. Uh, you might even be able to make an argument that you could, and I know there's a lot of Jay Sean Tate haters out there who will love this trade, but you could probably get away with a straight up trade of Jay Sean Tate for Furkan Korkmaz, no draft capital attached, just Jay Sean Tate. Now, I wouldn't do that trade because I still think there's a world where Jay Sean Tate is absolutely an integral part of this team moving forward and can be a key piece on a winning team. And I'd much rather see Jay Sean Tate stick around than, than, than swap, try to swap his production for Korkmaz's production. But I do think this Rockets team is in more desperate need of Korkmaz's skill set as a shooter, as somebody who can put the ball on the floor a little bit, attack, um, create his own shot, that kind of thing. The scoring punch is what's desperately missing from this Rockets second unit. And Korkmaz provides that, right? He's got chemistry with Alper and Shingun from their Turkish national team play. However, if you watched any of the Turkish national team friendlies this past offseason, maybe there's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, conflict between those two or whatever. Or maybe there's a feeling where Korkmaz thinks he's Turkish Michael Jordan and he disregarded Alpi uh, quite frequently. Uh, when they played together and didn't, you know, he didn't get him the basketball, that kind of thing. I don't think that would happen here on an NBA team. Ime Udoka would not stand for that, especially as we're learning that Udoka and Fred Van Vliet are identifying LP as kind of the go-to bucket on this team, especially in late game crunch time situations. But all that being said, I do think Korkmaz would fill a need for this team. He could be had for incredibly cheap. I think that's a guy that you could maybe look at getting for, you know, again, the Victor Oladipo contract is somewhere around that $9.5 million range. Uh, maybe you flip the Oladipo deal in there. Maybe you do something, again, potentially a Jay Sean Tate deal. Uh, maybe you look at doing Boban plus another small piece. I don't know. The Rockets have options here to go get Maz, and I think he's the cheapest, most attainable target on this list, all things considered. So that's target number one for the Rockets to consider Furkan Korkmaz. Let me know how you feel about that. Target number two is actually a target that was on our list when we were originally exploring Kevin Porter Jr. trades, and that target is Landry Shamit. Now, you might find yourself asking, well, Jackson, if they wanted Landry Shamit, why didn't they just go get him in the original permutation of the Kevin Porter Jr. trade? Well, I think they kind of thought that they might be able to bide their time when they originally made that trade, right? Victor Oladipo is not an impact piece. He's not a piece who's ever going to play for this Rockets team in all likelihood. I, I Look, if Victor Oladipo plays even a second of basketball again for this Rockets team, I will be absolutely floored. They traded for Victor Oladipo because they wanted the salary slot to stay alive so that they could package that salary down the line for a different player. Now, whether that player is, again, an impact contributor down the line, you know, somewhere in the 20-ish million dollar range, 10, 15 million dollar, whatever, or if they wanted to be able to package that salary of Victor Oladipo plus a couple other ones to go get a star level player, who knows? But they wanted the salary. They didn't want the player, Victor Oladipo. 
So with that, and with the circumstances having changed now for this Rockets team, first with the Tari Eason injury and still no official return date for him. However, again, I do think we are nearing a, a very, I think we're very close to a return for Tari Eason. I think we could see him back as early as next week. Even once Tari returns, that does not answer the large-scale problem of not having enough scoring punch off the Houston Rockets bench. So can Landry Shamit help plug that gap? One, it would still keep the salary slot alive for the Houston Rockets. So you would flip, you could flip Victor Oladipo's contract for Landry Shamit pretty easily. Um, Shamit's making about 10.2 flat, $10.25 million this year. It increases ever so slightly over the next couple of years. He's on contract under contract for three years. That's the downside to Landry Shamit's deal, is he's not an expiring contract, not a lot of team control there. It is a relatively cheap salary, and you do need those kind of salary fillers for certain trades. It would also extend the shelf life of the Rockets' ability to make a splashy big trade to this summer instead of just this deadline because Shamit's deal extends for the next three years. So then this upcoming offseason, you'd have the chance to package Shamit and then the expiring deals of Jay Sean Tate, Jock Landale, Jeff Green, all of whom effectively a lot of team control can be expiring contracts going into this next season package all that with Landry Shamit you can get yourself somewhere in that 30-ish million dollar range to try and go get somebody and then if you factor in one of the potential young guys on the team if it's like a you know a big time trade for a Joel Embiid type or something like that then you know you could easily get up to about 40 million dollars so there's a lot of flexibility I think for the Rockets from a team building roster construction standpoint with that contract but then even just from a player standpoint having another body out there on the court being able to throw Landry Shamit in certain lineups he's a shooter he provides floor spacing you could throw him out there with Jalen with Fred you can have him play you can have him play up a position if you want to run some three guard sets and have Shamit kind of be at your three spot you know he's not he's not the greatest wing defender, but he's serviceable. So I do think that's a possibility. And again, he's going to be a relatively cheap target. I think that the Washington wizards who are frankly rudderless this season after trying to be competitive with a core of Porzingis, Beal and Kuzma last year, they don't, they're basically tanking this year. So they're going to start fire selling parts for scrap or for assets or whatever here in the not so distant future, I would suspect. And I'd think they'd be more than willing to part with uh, Landry Shamit for probably a couple seconds. I don't, I do not think you'd have to part with a first round pick to get access to Landry Shamit. So those are the first two names on our list of potential targets for your Houston Rockets. How do you feel about Korkmaz and Landry Shamit? And we want to get into the rest of the names coming up here as we kind of increase the difficulty settings, if you were, as far as facilitating a trade, but also uh, some better players that the Rockets should be taking a look at if they're really considering wanting to upgrade that bench unit. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150, $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins and all you have to do is wager $5. It's that easy. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there is a wide range of betting options. In fact, right now we can take a look at the outright betting favorites for Super Bowl 58 this year. The Eagles have 
and the Chiefs leading the way at plus 500 apiece. You got the 49ers right behind them at plus 600, the Dolphins at plus 950, and the Cowboys at plus 1,000 with the Ravens not too far behind at plus 1,200. So for all those odds and so much more, they've got spreads, player props, over-unders. Go check out FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, this next name on this list is a name that I think would actually be a huge get for this Rockets team. But this is where the price starts to increase, right? The uh, the price is going up, if you will. And I think it's worth it, though, for this first name, because this is a guy that I think can be a significant part of the rotation moving forward and somebody that the Rockets can lean on as their de facto third guard, even once even once Amin Thompson returns to the lineup. And I think that's something, you know, take a little bit of that pressure off of Amin and give the Rockets yet another really competent guard so that their four-guard rotation once Amin returns is actually really solid. And that guy is Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso is a phenomenal defender. He can space the floor. He's a quality three-point shooter. He can put the ball on the floor. The fact that the Bulls have him on such a team-friendly deal, just making just under $10 million a year, is absolutely ridiculous. It's a steal of a contract for his production level. He's not starting in Chicago. And frankly, the Bulls feel like a team that is very poised for an implosion early this season. They had a players-only meeting after their very first game of the year. Billy Donovan walking into the locker room and kind of poking his head and like, what's up, guys? And they were like, hey, can you uh, can you get out of here? We're kind of talking about some important stuff. And he was like, okay, cool, my bad. Let me just get out of here. Um, look, that Bulls situation is like a powder keg waiting to blow. DeMar DeRozan doesn't want to you know, figure out a contract extension with them. And he's on his, he's an expiring deal this season. So they're probably going to have to start looking at DeMar DeRozan trades. We know that Zach Levine has been included in some rumors to the Philadelphia 76ers. There's a lot going on with the bulls where they could tear that thing down in a matter of seconds. And if you're the Houston Rockets, you absolutely should be taking a very hard look at a guy like Alex Caruso, who can fill that gap of a little bit of an additional scoring punch off the Rockets bench, adding yet another ball handler to this team, which is important. Another dynamic guy who can put the ball on the floor, create for his teammates. And he's he's an elite defender. So you you pool all those things together. I think Caruso would be a huge get for this Rockets team. He's not quite the best of the scoring options of this bunch that I came up with, but he's easily far and away the best defensive piece. Um, and I do think that that is kind of, if you really just want to lean further into that defense first identity that Emo Doka is trying to craft for this Rockets team, he's not a slouch offensively either. It's more just, you know, his calling card is defense. I think that that would be a huge pickup for the Rockets. I think you're looking at something like, again, you could do the Victor Oladipo expiring contract. And then I think, I mean, I'd feel comfortable enough sending a first round draft pick over to the over to the Bulls for the services of Alex Caruso for two years, even for two years on an insanely team-friendly deal, a lot of club control. And again, it extends the shelf life of being able to make one of those splashier deals somewhere down the line if a star does eventually shake loose. I think Caruso is arguably my favorite name on this list of potential char- targets for the Rockets to look at. It really just kind of all depends on what happens in Chicago, right? If they continue to skid, if they have a rough looking season, if they decide to blow things up, then the Rockets should be the first team in line knocking on their door, asking about acquiring 
Alex Caruso because he'd be a huge pickup for this team. So can they get him right now, right now, without like completely paying through the nose to get him? Like, you know, something like crazy, like two sec- two first-round picks or something? Probably not. But can they maybe get him a couple weeks from now, a month from now? Even Look, even once this lineup is fully healthy and Amin is back and Tari is back and, and the second unit has all his pieces again, I still think Alex Caruso would be a, a monumental pickup for this squad. So I'd still be, uh, you know, snooping around, monitoring the situation even after the injury bug uh, gets done, you know, feasting on, on the Rockets at this point. So that's third name on our list. Last couple names that we have here uh a little bit more unlikely and it's it's kind of harder to think about acquiring either of these two guys but uh first of which Evan Fournier with the New York Knicks and Malcolm Brogdon with the Portland Trailblazers so first off we'll start with Fournier you know Evan is pretty overpaid for what he provides um you know, it's it's not a crazy contract, but at the same time, it's hard for the Rockets to get up to the salary cost of an Evan Fournier. He's making $18.5 million this year. He does have a team option for next year, though, so some club control on that deal, which is is solid. Um, I, but for the Rockets, they for them to get up to $18.5 million, they would have to aggregate salary. And they can't do that with Victor Oladipo's contract until about midway through December because it's 60 days after the acquisition of a contract, after the acquisition of a player, before you can aggregate them, put them in a trade with another player on the roster, po- pooling those salaries together to go acquire somebody. And so what that means is if they wanted Evan Fournier, they could go trade for him, but they wouldn't be able to use Victor Oladipo to make it happen. They would have to use, say, any combination, two out of the three of, like, Jeff Green, Jock Landale, and Jay Sean Tate. Now, to some Rockets fans, that might use music to their ears because it seems like every Rockets fan this side of the Mississippi is trying to j- trade Jay Sean Tate for, like, a bag of chips. I think that's a dumb move, and they shouldn't do that. Um, and I do think that I want to still see this team healthy with all their pieces available before you pull the trigger on a deal with, you know, including any of the bench pieces. So no Jeff, no Jock, just wait and see, right? Give this team time to mesh. I think the one trade ship you really have to work with is the Victor Oladipo expiring contract. So it makes it a lot harder to pull off one of these trades. But if the Rockets really feel like they need to, then yeah, maybe you look at the idea of, you know, doing a... Jeff Green and a Jay Shantae or a Jeff Green and a Jock Landale and, you know, going for a guy like an Evan Fournier or like a Malcolm Brogdon type. But I think these two names are more of kind of the long-term plays, like waiting down the line and seeing, okay, where's this team at mid-December? You know, do we need a pickup? Do we need some additional guard depth? Do we need a little bit of that extra scoring punch, another veteran piece to add to this team to help kind of push us to where we want to be? And, Malcolm Brogdon kind of fits that same bill. He's got two years on his deal, $22.5 million. These are both names that we did kind of look at as well during the uh, KPJ saga, trying to figure out where the Rockets could send him ultimately. And again, dynamics have kind of changed at this point to where this team has been bitten by the injury bug. They're not where they thought they would be at to start the regular season. And things could get drastically worse after this month of November where they have just this absolutely brutal schedule playing the Nuggets a bunch, playing the Lakers. They've got a Mavericks matchup and like they've got so many upper echelon opponents this next month that the, the two Kings games back to back. I mean, 
they've got so many upper echelon opponents, they could very easily and realistically go like 0-13 over these next chunk of games. Um, and if that's the case, then at what point do you look at the season and you're like, oh, well, maybe this team isn't as good as we thought it was. Or, you know, at one point, does Rafael Stone again break the glass and make an emergency trade to try and get this team back towards playing, you know, 500 basketball, what have you. Um, I think the names are interesting to monitor. Evan Fournier has kind of fallen out of, you know, Tibbs' favor, the rotation. He's kind of, you know, used so selectively in New York now. I think he's a guy that could very easily be had for probably something cheap. It probably wouldn't even take a first-rounder, and I don't even know if I would go as far as a first-rounder for Evan Fournier, but a couple second-round picks for him would make a lot of sense. And then for Malcolm Brogdon, it's tough because he just signed with Clutch, Sports, so there's jokes already flying around that the Lakers are going to trade D'Angelo Russell at the deadline for Malcolm Brogdon further down the line, yada, yada, yada. You know, every every clutch sports client winds up playing with LeBron James at some point or another. So maybe that deal is already under the table, done and gone, and, and the Blazers aren't moving Malcolm Brogdon for anything until LeBron James comes a-calling for his name to be added to the Lakers. But he's still kind of that, that residual piece from... The Damian Lillard trade and, uh, you know, I think once Victor Oladipo becomes tradable down the line, that's a name that you probably want to take a look at. Uh, reigning six man of the year, you know, provides the veteran leadership, the combo guard kind of duality there off the bench where he can run the offense. You can also play him off ball. A lot of lineup flexibility and versatility when you factor him into Amin Thompson, Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green. That's a really strong core of four guards, similar to the strength core of four guards of, if you factored in Alex Caruso. Like, that's a guy that you feel good about the long-term fix, and it's not necessarily as much of a Band-Aid fix as, like, you know, Cork Maz or Landry Shamit would be to just try and get that little bit of a boost right away for, you know, for very, very cheap. So I like the idea of a Malcolm Brogdon pickup, but the question then becomes, which name do you package with Victor Oladipo to make it happen? Do you do Jay Sean Tate? Do you do Jeff Green or Jock Landale? Um, you know, which of those three guys is going to be the least important down the line that you'd feel okay about losing what they bring to the table to go get yourself a, you know, a Malcolm Brogdon type. And it's also worth noting that the Rockets do have a trade, a trade exception in there, um, a TPE that they could factor in uh, as far as, hang on, I want to double check. Where's the TPE at? Oh man, I'm going to have to go off rip here. Wasn't it $4.5 million ballpark? Yeah, I think it was somewhere in that range, like a $4.5 million TPE from the uh, Kevin Porter Jr. trade. So that is an asset that if they do wind up trading, you know, two players for one player down the line for for Brogdon, for Fournier, whatever, then they could look at replenishing, say, if, if one of those players was, you know, Oladipo and then one of Jeff Green or Jock Landale, they could replenish some big man depth by using that TPE to then go acquire the next target, right? So... You know, it's not like you just have to lose those guys for nothing and then you trade, you're essentially trading big man depth for additional guard depth. Uh, the Rockets do have some flexibility. They've got options. It's more just so about the pain tolerance of the front office, what they're willing to endure in the absence of, of a man Thompson because we know that it's a grade two ankle sprain. We know that that injury, you know, took him a long time to recover from during summer league that 
timetable is usually like four to six weeks on a grade two ankle sprain. He's probably going to be out a month. If he's out for just a month, I think that's a miracle. Um, somewhere in that four to six range is probably the amount of time that a Min Thompson is going to miss. So can the Rockets survive that time with just Aaron Holiday? Do they need to go trade for another name? Give me your thoughts in the YouTube comments. Give me some targets that the Rockets should ultimately consider trading for. Should they break the glass and make a trade or just stay the course with Aaron Holiday and the rest of the supporting cast of characters off the Rockets bench? Let me know down there in the YouTube comments. But as always, Thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast or on YouTube. Uh, just search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.